the barrier to entry for language AI SaaS has been dramatically lowered over the past two to three years. It's incredible what you can build now. The number of health and safety incidents that are linked to sound quality has increased since the pandemic made virtual and hybrid meetings commonplace. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 152 of SlaterPod. Hi, Esther. Hi, Florian. All right. So uh, we are closing on the early bird for SlaterCon Remote on March 22nd. So do register. Lots of good speakers, lots of good content, trying to unpack all that chat GPT stuff. Uh, you know, we have uh, a lot of other stuff, of course, in the agenda as well. So head over there and sign up. On the agenda today, we got a new report out, published a few minutes ago. Speaking about that, uh, you talk about machine dubbing, then we'll unpack a research paper that's dealing with fuzzy matches, LLMs, and MT. Then briefly, we just came across a 20 million euro natural language processing request for proposal from our friends at the European Commission. And the Translation Bureau in Canada gets a slap on the wrist. You're going to tell us more about that. But first, when was the last time you played a video game, Esther? Probably when I was forced to try out Call of Duty when my boyfriend first bought it. <laughs> so let's go. That was 2020. Yeah. 2020. All right. It depends what counts as a video game because I do play some like word games, nerdy things on my on my iPhone. Are word games nerdy things localized? Well, I don't know because I play in English, but... There you go. Potentially. Potentially. Yeah, well, I guess Call of Duty would be localized. I don't play a lot of video games. Uh, the kids sometimes use Apple Arcade. I did subscribe to that, and so there's some small games there. But uh, yeah, so far, no major interest from the kiddos. Anyway, there's a gazillion other people that do play a lot more uh, video games, spend a lot more time playing video games than you and I. Yeah, I live with one. <laughs> <laughs> you live with one. There you go. So um, all of those video games need to get localized because not everyone on this planet speaks and plays video games in English. And so we unpacked this uh, fast-growing part of the language services market in a 100-page monster report probably one of the most detailed, if not the most detailed report we ever published. Excellent resource for localization providers, game publishers, investors, you know, everybody who's looking at this space. How big is it? Like, do we have a, a number on it? Yeah, we do. So we sized it, at, I think, a little under 1 billion US dollars, rounded up to a billion dollars, I should say, in 2022. So fast growth in 2022 of around 18%. Cool. And we did kind of cover the entire cycle, the entire development cycle, right? From kind of early on to post-production, post-marketing, whatever's the appropriate term there. Can you, can you just give us like literally the 30-second highlights of what's in the report, if people are curious? Yeah. I mean, I think we kind of tackle it from all angles. So like you said, looking at game development, unpacking how the process really, which is super complex from uh, initial idea, ideation through to release of the game. Um, we highlight the role of LSPs, the opportunity also for LSPs in being part of um, these worldwide releases of games. Uh, we also talk about, you know, the different 
services specifically, so things like audio localization um, compared to translation of in-game text, for example, so different content, content types, as well as um, some of the challenges that are posed um, and often encountered for game localization and the role of technology, including MT and post-editing, looking at how that's evolving. Um, we also uh, look at different segments. So as I sort of clumsily said, you know, I do play a bit of game games on my mobile. Um, so we unpack the key segments of uh, mobile, PC, console, uh, also look at key geographies and languages for game localization. Um, on uh, In terms of buyers, so we review buyers' localization strategies. There's case studies and interviews, um, both with buyers um, and also uh, localization providers. And looking at some of the growth trends over the past five years, um, trends such as games as a service model, which we've talked about, you mentioned Apple Arcade, um, social gaming, mobile games, uh, live streaming and accessibility are all topics and trends that we unpack in the report. The whole thing. So let's move away from the meta because like this is kind of a meta. We're going to talk about X, but we're now not talking about X. Anyway, so people should get the report. We do host a briefing with the report's author, I believe, who is a uh, an expert, you know, went uh, worked both on the buy and the vendor side there. So yeah, I'm proud. This was a good one or is a good one. Go, uh, go get it. If you're a subscriber to our pro package, go and download it because it's part of the package. All right. So, hey, I did get a, a lot of positive reactions on the Ramsery podcast for like the Super Translate podcast uh, we did earlier this week. Um, very interesting. Just very interesting. I'm going to make this uh, uh, kind of what he what he outlined part of uh, Slatercon Remote. I think it's very um, relevant to the industry. So just quick reminder for those who haven't listened. So Ramsry uh, is building uh, a number of what, what he calls micro SaaS. Among them is like micro software as a service, right? A meme, a quiz SaaS, and one is one is called Super Translate, which subtitles uh, based on Whisper in multiple languages. And, you know, he's building in public, so it's very transparent. So, you know, he shares his numbers, he shares how many uh, users are using it, et cetera. And crucially, like he's also talking about how he's building it in terms of the front end, you know, on bubble. Um, and for example, uh, a lot of the, um, the AI, I mean, it's coming from, from Whisper, but he's buying the compute to run uh, these models on, um, on something called serverless GPU. I'm not going to you know, conveyed accurately. So head back to the podcast if you want to hear, of course, what, what Ramsey is saying as the builder of this. But the long and the short here is that the barrier to entry for language AI SaaS has been dramatically lowered over the past two to three years. It's incredible what you can build now uh, with very little upfront investment and very little risk, right? So you can quite easily, I mean, in a sense, throw out kind of a very kind of early on better product, see if it gets product market fit or even like just a little bit of product market fit and then take it from there. I think this is going to generate a wave of competition coming into the kind of established language services and language technology industry. Because even if one of these 100 products, uh, one out of 100 products finds product market fit and kind of learns about the enterprise, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be difficult or difficult. It's going to be interesting. interesting. It's going to be a new type of competitor that few maybe will have on the radar, right? So barrier to entry lower. All of these really advanced 
computing infrastructure things are more, much more available now. So um, watch out and do listen to the podcast. Uh, I really, I, I enjoyed it. I re-listened it, which I rarely do, uh, but this one I did. Now, in a similar kind of area, but a bit more, um, a bit less micro now, <laughs> is is Voiceit, uh, which you covered this week. Machine dubbing startup Voiceit raised a million euro. Uh, tell us more about that one. Well, accurate summary. So it was founded in 2020 um, by an ex-Keyword Studio exec, Keywords Studios exec, um, Andrea Ballista. Um, so he's gone on to do this new venture, like I said, launched in 2020 um, that is based on machine dubbing AI. They've got this patented AI um, technology at the core um, and are also developing a proprietary emotional multilingual data sets. Um, all of this is kind of rolled into a voice platform called Revoiceit, uh, a generative AI dubbing solution. That's how they Hang describe on, let, let's it. Let's pause. Let's pause. Check out the jargon here. So proprietary emotional multilingual, multilingual data set. Yeah. I love the emotional one. I did the proprietary multilingual one. Sure. I, I could have, you know, seen that coming, but the emotional one. Yeah. I think this is kind of one thing that they're tapping into is the idea of kind of, of um, controlling expressive style. So being able to maybe, I, I suppose, program a voice to speak with certain expression or emotion. It's going to get so weird. This is I'm seeing so much more deep. <laughs> say fate. the same thing, but say the same thing like you're really sad. Say it's sad. Maybe it's, you know, what the sort of notes that a director would give to a voice talent. And so what's this primarily aimed at? Is it is it for entertainment content, for like short form stuff on, I don't know, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram or like YouTube or or bigger movie things? I was going to say, coming from a gaming background, um, the founder that is, they are targeting video game customers. They see a use case there. Um, also, media and entertainment, advertising, marketing, and corporate video localization. So really not limiting it to one specific uh, target target market there. Um, but it is SaaS, so you know, customers can sign up. Um, and the idea is then that the customers will upload source, source voices um, so let's say yours or mine, a source script, um, as well as related translations, so translations of the script. And then the platform, Voices platform, will produce the target voice in the language selected. So you could, you know, tell it to speak German. That would be so weird. If somebody took all of the YouTube videos with my accented English and then kind of try to make it speak German, that'd be funny. Yeah, you'd have to compare, you know, your your sort of native German, Swiss German, with what um, Voiceed or any of the other ones would 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 imagine you or you know produce you as speaking in German based on your English. I tell you, the day I get a a proper Swiss German AI voice or like an artificial voice, I, that that's that's when that's when the freak out moment happens. I haven't heard any of those because it's it's just so yeah. All right. Well, so they got, I mean, they have competitors, right? Yeah. Well, so they, they've raised a small amount of money um, at this point. So Euro 1 million um, in a seed round from an Italian VC firm and also from the European Innovation Council. They also have previous grants of about 2 million euros. Um, don't have any financials disclosed. Um, obviously, they're still fairly early on in, in the journey, um, having been founded sort of two-ish two years ago. Um 
Would you say competition? Yeah, well, I mean, similar to what you were talking about uh, in, in that previous segment there about Ramsri, um, I mean, the competition is hotting up in this space, the kind of AI dubbing or machine dubbing, people coming at it from slightly different angles, you know, um, but a lot um, raising money, at least in 2022, based on these kind of AI-centric dubbing pitches. They had Deep Dub, Paper Cup, Dubverse and Dub Dub all raising different amounts of funding, um, some kind of smaller amounts, some larger amounts um, in 2022. Um, but it's, I think we even highlighted this in the M&A report. I mean, machine dubbing and kind of that voice technology piece of, of multilingual um, is certainly hotting up. Indeed it is. Um, another area we covered this week was research by Yasmin Muslim, who we had on the pod about a half a year ago, a prolific researcher at the ADAPT Center in, uh, in Dublin, Ireland. And what I really appreciate about her research, it's so much core in like those niche problems that would be interesting for LSPs. Like it's also the terms she's using. It's not like this high level uh, kind of Google meta, let's tweak that last little token parameter or something, but it's very much kind of like the problems that, that a, a, a mid-sized large LSP would face. So um, this one, the article we had for the, uh, for the, um, the piece was fuzzy matches can refine machine translation by GPT-3 and other large language models. So try to break this down for us and yeah apologies in advance to yasmin i mean we're you know we're trying our best here to summarize a you know 10 20 page paper in in, in a podcast yeah i mean i think certainly the article that we published probably summarizes it uh, slightly better than what i'm about to but um so do take a look on on slater and also obviously read the paper if you're if you're deeply interested um but like you said i mean the paper from yasmin muslim also a couple of her uh, colleagues is they were looking to find out whether GTP3, which as we know is a large language model behind ChatGPT, is capable of enhancing adaptive MT. So what is adaptive MT? It is simultaneously improving the quality of new translations based on user feedback. And that can be feedback such as corrections made to previous translations. It can be terminology, style guides. It can be um, translation quality ratings, for example. Um, but the bit I think that we picked up on and, and somewhat uh, interested in also is um, slightly less common method of adaptive MT. So this is where you're um, getting the model to learn from similar translations, which in the industry we would call fuzzy matches, which are found inside of translation memories or TMs. Um, so using fuzzy matches to then improve the quality of translation in real time. So real-time adaptation. Hopefully I've laid the groundwork <laughs> somewhat there. Um, Yasmin in a, in a LinkedIn post said, um, after you know, the, the results basically, showing the model a one, between one and 10 translation pairs, um, domain-specific translation pairs, um, that are similar to the sentence that you want to translate can actually improve the translation of the new sentence immediately. Um, and apparently this is especially useful for high resource languages. The original is coming out of a TM or is the, is it artificially generated? I mean, I think it could be either. The point is it's a new, t a new sentence that the model would not have seen, but you show the model similar. 
I mean, probably you have the sentence already in mind. So let's say you've got a sentence and you would need to have similar sentences to that in the TM. So, you know, maybe you change one word, two words, whatever you would need. I don't know what level of matches we're talking of fuzzies we're talking about, whether we're talking about the sort of 99% fuzzy matches, whether we're talking about, you know, 75 kind of level. Um, but yeah, so I, I assume you would have a sentence in mind and then look for the fuzzy matches. And we're training this GPT-3 or these other large language models here. We're not training narrower models that are much more common, of course, in the industry. So yeah, look, overall, I think maybe we we can stop here and point people towards the article and just note that there is a lot of research going into now how could you make these language models produce better translations, right? And I mean, it's super early stage. But it's a good question to to try and look into, isn't it? I mean, if you're a language, if you're an LSP, you've got or or an end client, you've got you know years worth of translation translation data stored in your TM. You also now potentially have access to these LLMs that you wouldn't have, you know, a couple of years ago. So, what can we do with that? Is there a way of working with it? I agree. Let's get some. I mean, we can edit, discuss it in in a future part, or maybe bring not maybe bring somebody on Slitacon Remote. I, I think uh, I'm trying to uh, put together a panel there to just understand this this better. So the European Union also wants to understand this better, and they are putting out a 20 million euro tender for natural language processing and natural language understanding. And um, this already, the, the RFP was open on December 8th, 2022, so it's been out there for a while. Uh, it's not closing before 29th of March, 5 p.m. Brussels time. So um, it's part of the Horizon Europe research program, which uh, neither you or I can participate in because you're in the UK and I'm in Switzerland and they kicked us, they kicked us out. <laughs> they kicked us out of this Darn. program. It's incredible. All of the Swiss researchers are going crazy because uh, they kicked them out. And so we have to fund all these research programs uh, independently uh, again. Anyway, so what do they want? So let me let me just read this. It's kind of hard to summarize. So they're saying the RFP is for improving context-aware human-machine interaction to increase understanding and exploitation of the interaction context and content in multimodal settings in order to increase responsiveness of interactive AI solutions such as smart assistance, conversational and dialogue systems, content generation models, etc. That's a mouthful. Uh, you, frankly, I, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> Let me put it that way. So it seems quite broad in scope. Um, they say they want to support, enhance seamless human-to-human -human communication across languages by means of automatic translation or interpretation, including automatic subtitling in real time with a greater understanding of the communication context and meaning involved in it. Also very, very complex. Now, uh, there is a, a list of potential partners that are, if I understand it correctly, are trying to bid on it or are um, maybe su like submitting their application. I don't know any company on that list. There were like 35 or 40, except Tilda. KPMG. <laughs> yeah, KPMG, sure. I mean, some of these companies like the the bigger ones, but other than Tilda, I didn't know any. It's like, it's incredible what, what other kind of niche ecosystems out there. But 
well, if you're interested in this and you still have, you know, a month and a half to go to bid for this incredibly, what seems to be an incredibly complex uh, RFP brief, uh, knock yourself out. Interesting uh, RFP there. We shall cover who the winner is and let's see if those $20 million are going to lead to a bigger ROI further down the road. The Swiss and the British aren't going to enjoy. The we won't benefit. <laughs> Oh my God! It was sorry. Just so it's it was so petty. I think it's about something. I don't actually get, recall what it was. There was some there was some other thing with the European Union that Switzerland um, uh, got kind of into a bit of a tussle, and then and then it just kind of kicked us out of Horizon Twenty Twenty. Yeah. Uh, okay, sorry. I'm not going to delve into the politics here. So, yeah, Canadian Translation Bureau required to revamp protections for remote interpreters why is that why well it seems like there have been um more health and safety incidents um of interpreters over the past couple of years um and it seems to have kind of come to a head more recently so i mean there's lots of different bodies involved so i'll try i'll try and get the uh, the names and the parties right but basically you've got um, the body that oversees the Can Canadian um, Translation Bureau, which is the Public Services and Procurement Canada, or PSPC, um, they were required or have been required to report on the steps that they were taking to protect the health and safety of federal interpreters. And the deadline was actually 15th of February, so it's passed. Um, but this was an order that came from Canada's labour programme, um, really at the start of February, but there's kind of a backstory to this, which is that um, a professional association, um, the CAPE, uh, actually filed a formal complaint on behalf of federal interpreters that it represents uh, around a year ago, um, just over a year ago now. Um, and so the Canadian Association of Professional Employees, CAPE, CAPE, has appealed to the Translation Bureau to put measures in place. Um, they've been asking for that since 2020, um, which I think the PC, PSPC spokesperson, so this is the one that oversees um, the Translation Bureau, they told us that the number of health and safety incidents that are linked to sound quality, so this seems to be the, at the heart of, of the issue, um, the number of incidents related to sound quality has increased since the pandemic made virtual and hybrid meetings commonplace. Um, and they told us that, you know, interpreters were having issues like uh, ear pain, headaches, uh, tinnitus, um, and apparently one even had to go to the hospital um, because there were, I think the reports were that there was dangerous exposure, sorry, exposure to dangerous levels of toxic sound. Um, but I mean, it's kind of creating other issues as well, other than just the kind of health element, which is important enough in itself, um, the Bureau is having to use contractors to fill gaps left by interpreters who have been, um, had to go off on sick leave because of these types of issues. Um, so, I mean, obviously the, the Translation Bureau is responding or the, the um, overseer, which is the PSPC, they've said health and safety are a priority for the Translation Bureau. They also said the Translation Bureau will follow the directions and the directions are already in line with the efforts um, already in place. Uh, so they have put measures in place and they've highlighted some of these. 
Um, for example, they will have a t or they have a technician present in the room with interpreters to hopefully help with with the sound and sound quality. Um, they've said interpreters can do no more than three hours of remote interpreting each day uh, without any um, impact on their pay. Um, and they've committed to ensuring that Parliament provides suitable headsets for participants during virtual settings because that was found to be one of the the kind of causes of the of the noise issues. Sounds reasonable. I mean, I never interpreted online, but this is uh, coming out of Canada. We had it in the European Union. There seems to be something going on that is not healthy if you do too much of this. So uh, good luck to the interpreters, everybody involved. Hopefully this gets sorted out to everybody's satisfaction. All right, so that was it for today. Head over, get our game lock report. And if you have time after reading it, you know, play some video games. Yeah.